Hey friends, it's Jeff. In celebration of the Valentine's Day, TJ and I are wrapping up our deep dive into relationships and the four different ways we bond with those we love. This recording here is hosted by Tyler Zach, who is doing stellar work getting Enneagram Thinkers together to talk shop. This spring, Tyler is hosting an online conference of 23 thinkers on love and relationships that he's calling the Ennea Summit. Well worth checking out, and it is all free. March 5th through the 7th. Links to sign up are in the show notes, or you can just go to enneasummit.com. Uh, before you start listening to this stuff, you can give us lots of stars, subscribe, plan to come see us in Greeley some Sunday, and as always, may all good things be yours. I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. Hello again. Welcome back. We are in a four-part series on the Enneagram and relationships, and today is part four of four. So the first conversation, part one, was how Enneagram stances affect our connection with loved ones. Uh, Conversation number two was how affect groups affect our connections with loved ones. Uh, Part three was how conflict styles affect our connections with loved ones. And today we're going to be talking about how centers of intelligence affect our connections. So, to begin, it's good to be back with you guys again. Yeah, that's sweet jacket, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I usually get it out when I'm, I really want to lean into my type threeness. Okay. Yeah, I see that. So, for those listening on podcasts, it's a, uh, a, a fabulous blue jean jacket. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the centers of intelligence. Uh, for those who might not be familiar, like what are the centers of intelligence and why are we talking about it today? For a lot of us, this is the starting point, and it's the starting point because the centers of intelligence name how we receive the world. So the first thing that all of us do when coming to anything, to experiencing the world, to experiencing relationships, even to experiencing ourselves, is we're taking in information into ourselves. And what Enneagram wants to suggest is that we have a filter. And as the world comes into us, it is slightly filtered either through our head, heart, or intuitions. That is, as the world is coming into us, we prefer thinking about it, or we prefer emotionally feeling it through the relationships that we have, or we are more spatially aware, we're intuitional about the world coming at us. And this can be just a slight matter of degrees, but it's very much worth naming how we receive the world because from that comes much of what we want most. If it's the case that I slightly, you know, I bring in the world through my head, that thinking side of me is also going to prefer stability, 
security, making sure things are safe. If I'm bringing in the world through relationships and my emotional core, much I, I'm going to have a slight desire, more desire than others, for the attention and validation of others. And if I'm bringing in the world through my body, um, if I if intuitions filter the world around me, what I really want is control, autonomy. I want to be able to direct my own life. It's almost like our wants, our motive, and how we experience the world go together. And that's that's a very core idea in Enneagram. Yeah, some people talk about the Enneagram as like a, a, a nine different lenses, like the way we see the world. If that's true, then the, the intelligence centers are sort of like the glass that the lens is made out of. Like these, this is a foundational issue for Enneagram theory and understanding and it it also is foundational within a lot of other fields of study Uh, the idea that we have three different sort of minds are are rational logistic observational objective mind the way that we understand data in the world and and uh, also our our heart mind the our emotional center the thing that connects us and helps us see other people and and uh, it understands emotions and is subjective like how things relate to each other and and where we stand within all of that and then there's the the sort of body mind, the way we understand our physical place in the world. And each of us sort of uses these three things in a different a different order and understanding how you bring in all of your information. Do you need the data? Do you need the uh, emotional relatedness of, of fellow humans? Do you need uh, some sort of like physical understanding of your place in the world? This is, this is how we take in everything that's happening to around us. So it seems like the the body or what was the what's the word that you use interchangeably Jeff intuition? Intuitions. Okay, I don't hear that very much. Mm-hmm. Go can you explain why you use that? Yeah, I routinely was tripping early on with the idea of feelings and, you know, what what's going on in a body type. It's feelings and feelings. Mm-hmm. And the the more that we've unpacked this it's that intuitions are non-relationship oriented intuitions are much more about the spaces intuitions are much more about physicality control and um awareness of textures proximities heating and light these sorts of things whereas feelings are 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 emotionally grounded and much more about the interconnectedness between people and even a relationship with oneself yeah, and I'd even add that there's there's like a an unexplainable sense of knowing. And that is is to me that is like the basic definition of intuition. Like when when people talk about trust your gut or listen to your gut, there's there's sort of a sense of knowing what what's good and what's bad, what you like, what you don't like that that comes from your gut that that isn't data that isn't relational it, it's just like you just know or you don't know and and that's that's a big part of what we say when we talk about intuitions gotcha so just to circle back to the beginning can you just remind us like why what the centers of intelligence is it, is it just figuring out how we take in the world or is there another way to to say that we all have all three 
centers of intelligence. Eights, nines, ones are all dominant in the in the body center. That means we take in the world through our body, through our intuition, through our guts. We have a, an understanding of our physical space. And that means a lot of things moving forward about, about how we are, about what we want, about all of the all of the things about how we see time, our orientation to time is wrapped up in this. And twos, threes, fours all bring in the world, the information around them through their heart center. So this is about people. This is about what other people think about them. This is about what they think about other people. Taking in all of that information is about emotions, relatedness, subjectivity. It's about people. It's the human-centered intelligence center. And then five, sixes, and sevens bring the world in through their head, through data, through um, putting the information in the order in order for it to make sense, in in planning, in making sense of what's in front of them, and seeing in observation, in in planning. Like this is a future centered. Like they, everyone in the five, sixes, and sevens are are sort of looking to sort some sort of future to prepare for. Kind of the way that my simple brain is processing this is you use the illustration TJ of a glass that we kind of see through. My mm-hmm. the first metaphor that comes to me is just kind of goes along with the head, heart, and and body or gut. Like somebody when they're pro- taking in the world, they're using their brain first. Uh, for somebody else, it's their they're they're taking it in their heart and then for somebody else they're taking it into their their physical body their nervous system and mm-hmm. and wanting to respond uh, and that that I can see that why that is so helpful to the, this topic of relationships because if if somebody's is taking it into their heart and processing it through their heart and somebody's and their partner or a coworker another relationship is processing it first using an, something else then I can see where there might be immediately uh, some some clashes or sparks uh, going on, which makes me excited to keep talking about this today. Yeah, this is one of the places where it is most clear that there is there's a difference between me and you, and we don't know what it is yet. But like foundationally, there's something different about the way I see the world from the way you see the world. And once we get into it, we can start to realize, oh, I have a sense of physical space and you are more interested in people. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different. One of the things that we're discovering late 20th century, early 21st century is just how subjective knowledge is. Uh, Nietzsche overstates the case and says there's no facts, there's only interpretations. But there's something to that in that I don't experience the world the identical way you do because you're a different person than me and we're in different locations and we have different backgrounds and histories and different value judgments and, 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 and we can go on and on and on and talk about what makes us us filters what the world is. And Enneagram just wants to say, look, Let's just name one of the sets of filters, and it's here. Mm-hmm. I would want to divide the brain up into left brain, right brain, reptilian brain on on the triads. People who are more relational are probably utilizing the right hemisphere of their brain more. That's the place of emotion, of relational you know, connections. 
those who are head types probably engaging the left side hemisphere of the brain more. It's, and that's the space of analytic reasoning. And then the reptilian brain is a good illustration of what intuitions are about. You know, it's these primal drives that are, are uh, come first, get emphasized first, as it were. That reminds me of Dr. Jerome uh, Libba, the brain doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had him on the summit. He he says the right brain is like heart types. The left brain is the the head types, and the brain stem is sort of like the the body types. Should we flesh these three out a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let's start starting with the body. TJ and I are both body types. We want autonomy. Want to direct our own lives. Really important to note that the underlying feeling for this type is anger, because when they can't get autonomy, when they can't control the things that they want to control the feeling that emerges will be something like an anger and body types because of their relationship to the present are going to develop this trust of their intuitions their identity might be closely connected with whether or not they can maintain certain spaces and uh, TJ and I can both speak to this in terms of the our vocations the things that we really put a lot of our energy into are probably going to be about about spaces that we really, really care about. Hmm. Yeah, there's an action-centered sort of focus for these types, uh, eights, nines, and ones. Like, and, and so when they are in relationship with each other, there's uh, an unspoken understanding that we understand space. When, when we talk about space, it, it may be the case, like much like me and Jeff, it may be the case that we experience the space differently, but we both know that the space is part of, is a huge part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and there's like that anger piece. We all know, like everyone has anger. This isn't this isn't something that we're saying eights, nines, and ones are exclusive to it. We we all feel a kind of anger, but anger is sort of this force that exists for eights, nines, and ones that is always present, always part of our reality. We we have a special relationship with anger, and we know that that when we are with other eights, nines, and ones, they sort of share that. They they have they carry that with them, and and we can relate especially if we know this about each other, if, if I know that the person across from me is an eight, I can relate to them in a different kind of way because we, uh, we both sort of have that foundational lens. Hmm. Eights, nines, and ones are very much a present-focused type. They are going to get what they want now. Control is about now. But you'll notice this. Nines use past tools to get what they want now. And eights are going to use future tools to get what they want now. Nines are traditionally going to be, we've said this quite a few times on our podcast, but have a hoarding tendency, storing up tendency, and keeping all the things. And that's so that when something breaks, they have the tool that they've stored away, that they've scrolled away to pull out and ensure that, okay, I can fix this now to get control of my space again. Eights don't function like that. Eights are thinking about next Thursday in a way that's, how might I be vulnerable next Thursday? I'm going to do what it takes right now to ensure that I don't feel vulnerable next Thursday. And one's perfectionism, as it were, um, feeling, feeling good now, all of their energy is just in the here and now. Let's create a system that makes sure that we establish a sense of control by doing things in the present moment now. 
And so this is why ones can often have kind of that OCD quality. They're just, they have present tools for establishing control in the present. So it's like, okay, light bulb's out, crack is over here, we need to fix the, the doorknob. Those tools all are, are being focused in the, in the present moment. And so when they come into relationship, we, I, I, I'm doing way too much background here, but when they come into relationship, this is going to be a massive part of the overlap of these types. Yeah, the the concern for autonomy and control, these types can get can really get into it if they aren't on the same page because they're all fighting for control. They're all fighting for their own autonomy. It's not necessarily that they want to be the one in charge, but they f- certainly want to be the one in charge of themselves. And they we all three of these types are very resistant to letting someone else tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. And so when it is these two types together, if they aren't on the same page, it can be, oh, I, you're going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. But we're not meeting in the middle. That's good. Uh, I'm not sure how much you want to talk about the dominant emotion, but I feel like it's pretty relevant to the topic of relationships. And like the core emotion of anger is so tied, so closely knitted to how you're experiencing the world. It's like your first response. It's like software running in the background that you don't even know is mm-hmm. running. And and if you can figure out as we go along these, with these pairings, if you can figure out what your the dominant emotion is of the partner or the someone in your relationship with, you can have a lot more empathy for understanding that they are feeling anger because they're not getting control of Tommy. And just to create some space for them to release that anger and, and just know why they're getting angry is because it's a control and autonomy thing. Mm-hmm. And for, we can get to the hard types here soon, but shame is always, I said, crouching at my door. <laughs> sure. And when something will, somebody will say something instead of pro- me processing it rationally, like, okay, let's, let's think about that. All of a sudden I'll, I'll start feeling shame, like a cloud in the room and it's it bubbling up and then I start responding out of that sense of feeling shame. Uh, that, and I'm, so I'm really, really, re- I'm reacting out of shame. I'm not reacting logically, if that makes sense, as a heart type. Mm-hmm. And so I have to catch myself. Uh, certain times when I'm triggered and I'm about ready to say something, I got to remind myself, oh, like whatever they said is, is making me feel a sense of shame for some reason. And I got to like figure that out and process that before I, before I jump in here. Underlying feelings is what we call these, and they seem to me absolutely core to understanding the intelligence centers, especially in relationship, because this is the place of empathy. I don't feel, I'm not a fearful person, but if I'm in a relationship with five, six, seven, I need to understand that their their very filter is drawing in the world in such a way that it's producing that emotion and you cannot control that. That's simply how it is. It's a, it, it, it's, it's a byproduct. It's, it's how the world, when it hits them, it's, it's a reaction that comes and this is the emotion they experience because of how they're taking in the world. And true empathy is going to mm-hmm. probably color that. But so too here, like I want to be in control. If I don't know that TJ also wants to be in control of the spaces that we have, if, it, if that's a blind spot, our, our relationship's going to break down. And I think that, like like you said, understanding that that these underlying feelings are are present and and unmutable, like they 
unmutable is probably the wrong word. But no, I like that. The fact that eights, nines, and ones are are part of the anger triad means that eights, nines, and ones have a very specific relationship to anger. And all of the other types feel anger and potentially express anger. But when eights are angry, it's part of their being. Eights certainly can and should learn to uh, uh, recognize and sort of not not control, but but learn to manage their anger. Nines need to wake up to their anger. Ones need to like because of the way that ones direct their anger at themselves and and how it spills out from that. That ones also need to learn some management tools. But but we're never going to get rid of our anger. And anger is not flash in the pan for us. It's it's a constant daily reminder of the fact that we live in the world and so all the other types seeing one of these types angry angry may just be how we are it may not be something that we're feeling as a reaction to something that happened to us it may just be how we are dr banner yeah i think it's time for you to get angry that's my trick cap i'm always angry i'm always angry We just want to interrupt this uh, broadcast, let you know that they have a movie typing podcast that you can go listen to as well. Uh, link in the show notes. You can hear that, that <laughs> quote from the Avengers and many others. <laughs> okay. Eights. Tell me what you think about this. Eights, blow anger. Uh, nines, no anger. And ones, slow anger. Like, and not in the, not in the good way. Like, leaking out through... Mm. small remarks of criticism or frustration. Is that a good quick way to understand it? Or what do you guys think? The insight that TJ kind of hit on, and I'd love to unpack a little bit more is if you go back to our affect group podcast, um, the direction of your underlying feeling matters Mm. in eights anger moves outward alongside twos, fives, eights, all of their emotion goes outward. Ones, four, sevens, their emotion goes inward. And three, six, nines, their emotion goes both ways. So it, it, it may be the case that that characterization can work in, at, at some level, the uh, slow and no and uh, blow anger. But the, what, what's truly happening with the underlying feeling is you have, is notice the direction that this, it's anger, anger, shame, and fear are all in energy. And it's, it's like, the, again, if it's your, con, your, your contact with the world creates an energy and then it goes a certain direction. And that's what the underlying feeling is in anger here. So for ones, we're going to like slowing anger looks like this. I don't have control. And so as a one, I experience this. If I don't have control over myself and my environment, the first question is what didn't I do correctly? how did I screw this up? That anger is going inward first. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a personal check because I can cause things and I know I can cause things. So I need to, to look at all the systems and in the present moment, what didn't I do to ensure that I had control over this thing that I cared about? And that's when it starts to leak. If I, if, if the, if I can't find a place to blame myself, all of a sudden that energy doesn't go away. Now I'm going to start to blame some other stuff. And so the frustration, the blame, that uh, the resentment, 
when it comes out of one's that's that's how that goes it's it's being slowed because it's you know in some sense the one is standing in front of the blame and taking 80 percent of it but that 20 percent is still gonna leak out and hit some people at times well regardless of you know i love how you tied in the other conversations to overlay that dynamic about anger but whether you're a nine that really shuts down your anger and doesn't let it rise up to the surface or an eight that experiences it in the moment and will let you know. I feel like one good uh, action step or growth step for eights, nines, and ones is to have an anger journal or something like that to to process their anger. And, and doing so on your own uh, can actually then improve your relationships. So, Because for Jeff, for, for example, you said, mm-hmm. uh, I'm if you actually let that beach ball come up all the way, the anger that you keep shoving back down under the water and let it surface. And then you do, you slow down enough to spend time on that and you can realize, Oh, it's because you're, you're criticizing yourself for not doing something right. Then you can extra, then you can give yourself compassion, work through that on your own. And then that should in turn make your relationships better. If you're doing that work with your underlying emotion. And the same is true for me and shame doing that work of, figuring out why I feel ashamed, what's going on there, uh, that's going to in turn help my marriage. Yeah. yeah. I'll be brief, but I bet TJ has stuff to say here. This is the this is the role of discipline, spiritual disciplines in the rest in terms of the, the Enneagram. It's, it's, you are going to produce anger, shame, and fear. How are you going to become a healthy person knowing that that's just the given reality? Well, perhaps putting on practices that translate that energy into good things as opposed to self-destructive things yeah. and world destructive things is is part of the healthy human life and that's why enneagram really matters in terms of not just you know typing movie characters it matters in terms of what are the practices i need to adopt given my type to be a healthy person exactly and to use an example what you just said i love uh, turning into a positive i love that for nines getting in touch with their anger can actually work against the the sloth and actually right. move them into action uh, by doing that that heart work. Yeah. Yeah. And eights eights know this anger is a great motivator and and if nines were to stop ignoring our anger as much then it might motivate us to do things when we need to do them. Perfect. Love what we've been love the conversation so far. So should we talk then about okay, the body types and head types? I think it would be best to to hit each of the types and then we can do the combinations because as as we're talking, I'm I'm just aware. This is why the intelligence area ends up often being the beginning. There's so much in this move. For sure. And from this, everything else kind of springs. But to to move to heart types, it seems to me the relationship between heart types is going to have some of the similar dynamics, but obviously the motive changes. And the motive of wanting to be seen, wanting to be validated, wanting to get the attention, all of that comes out of that relational um, filter. It's I'm good if other people care about me in some some sense, right? And so the heart types are social people who you know emotionally feel their way through life lean into their emotions they will feel social pressure in a way the rest of us don't there is going to be that 
interesting. You see this in so many TV shows where it's there's a teetering between feelings of being connected and comparison and always trying to, to navigate the that relational environment. And so where the body types have a different kind of physical environment, the heart types are this very emotional environment, which is, it's almost a different sphere. And sometimes, you know, body types don't even see that sphere. And perhaps likewise, heart types might not even see the sphere that the body type is in, but that's the sphere in which heart types dwell. And when they have a relationship with one another, this will be almost an unspoken language. Like we get it. We get the comparative, you know, validating, am I seen dynamic at play in every relationship we have? Yeah, the uh, the idea of attention. And I, I, I'm thinking about how as a society, we, we've sort of like downplayed the importance of emotions, of at least the full range of emotions for, for uh, millennia. Um, <laughs> And and particularly in in my generation and and people these days like from the seventies onward, we're we're having a lot of conversations about mental health and and how we feel and how um, how our emotions treat us. And I like that you bring up shame a lot about um, like as part of the heart triad, you experience shame. I don't like the word shame in part because I can't relate to shame. I don't f- really feel shame and. A lot of eights don't really feel shame either. And uh, there is a sense of uh, relational anxiety. Uh, I've heard people say that. And and it's all like really it's 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 all describing this this sort of this uneasiness about yourself in particular about the the way that other people see you. And so this this desire for attention for for connectedness for to be seen in a certain way like that's that drives that colors everything that these types experience and and when they um when they come to the world when they when they want to engage and and do that it all starts from this place of understanding who they are based on what they think other people see about them and so you have uh the the helpful loving uh considerate and and connected type with the two who who wants to be seen as someone who is very giving and very helpful and and serving your needs and and there when you need them you have the three who wants to be seen as as an excellent uh a participant in the world they they want to be seen as valuable and praiseworthy and and they want gold stars for all their good work because that that's the thing that covers up that relational anxiety and then fours want to be seen as uh authentically unique among the whole world and and that's not like they're not trying to be different they're not trying to be wallflowers they understand fundamentally that they are very different from every other person and they want to express that in ways that are true and so they want other people to see them as fully themselves which is one among billions and again, it all comes back to attention. Yeah, the heart types for sure need external validation. Uh, we don't know for somebody. We feel like we lack value, and we really are hungry for for people to tell us that we're 
that we're a somebody. And if we don't feel like a somebody, I think, I mean, I think shame is a great example. I, and I think shame is a great word uh, for my experience. And um, mm-hmm. I've heard twos say they resonate less with shame and it's more sadness. Mm-hmm. That's just what I've heard from, from twos. Uh, but definitely threes and fours feeling a sense of, yeah, insecurity, shame. And that just comes from feeling like the tank is low. Uh, that Whereas eights would be a good contrast of being very self-assured mm-hmm. and confident. Uh, two, threes, and fours feeling like, no, we need to go out into the world and get that external va- validation to feel like a somebody. Yeah. And that that kind of plays with how we interpret things. So if, if something is said in a meeting or our, our partner says something, we can immediately feel shame because it, we interpret them as not, not, we don't interpret it logically, <laughs> rationally. We, we interpret it as uh, they're speaking to my value that I have mm-hmm. less value. And that's what triggers the, triggers the shame. That makes sense. Yeah. Does the core to the type is your motive and your motive is all about how you feel good in the world and aids don't need you to care about them in order to feel good in the world. But the four does or the three does. And that's like we all want relationships. But like when you push and push and push to to the absolute bedrock of what is it you want most in the world, that's where it is for two, three, four. It's going to have that relational dynamic to it. It's like the constant you are here, the, the true north there's nothing wrong with that. Like even like the thing with two, threes and fours, sometimes what will come out when coming to Enneagram is, should I be ashamed of my shame? You know, as it were, it's like, well, this is, you should name that for a half second and just say, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the underlying feeling that's produced when you come to the world. And just embracing who you are at some level is, can be incredibly helpful. And just knowing that, you know, the underlying feeling of shame is, again, going to be some of that chemical reaction that just takes place from you being you. But here's the thing. You're really valuable in your type. Your type's not something to get rid of. Your type is not something to abuse and, and stomp on and, and say, like, I, I so hate being a two, three, four. Your type is something to acknowledge and to ask the very difficult question, what does it look like for me to be a healthy two? Mm-hmm. What what kind of work do I need to do to be a healthy three? What type of work do I need to do to be a healthy four? As opposed to the easy, lazy road of saying, well, I hate just being a two, three, four. You know, or something like that. Yeah. And and much the, the same as uh, eights, nines, and ones will never truly rid themselves of anger. I, I believe that twos, threes, and fours will never truly rid themselves of that shame, of the that voice saying that person doesn't like you or, or you suck or whatever it is. That's, that's saying, look at, look at how you have been and you should be ashamed. That voice can become like a clown in the corner that says stuff that you don't really listen to. That voice can, you can learn to manage that voice of shame. That's very similarly as eights, nines and ones need to learn to manage their anger. And I think this is an important part of growth and, and coming back to this idea of like pairing each other, it's shame is one of the ones that like, it is so easy for human beings to use shame as a weapon, right? Especially to the threes and fours, by the way. Yeah. 
especially against each other. Yep. And and this is this is another thing to know about because we are talking about how all of these things of Enneagram affect our relationships with other people. You cannot use shame as a weapon against eights, right. but it's already a weapon when it is utilized against twos, threes, and fours, even right. if you are not intending it to be. You can go around. Eights can use their yeah. anger against people. Nines can yeah, use yes. their no anger. <laughs> Passively aggressive yeah. against people. Passive aggressive. Ones can Ooh. use their resistance resentment slash anger uh you know and i've heard that from kids who are parented by heart types do experience a lot of shame growing up because it, it can be right. used as as a weapon um and i think part of that is like oh you don't think i'm valuable you don't care about me and it, and it's just a reaction of well i'm gonna cut you down or i'm gonna make you feel bad mm-hmm. uh so mm-hmm. it's just a it's a turning on on people Worth and I meant to mention this where body types are are uh, you know are taking in the world through the present in order to to utilize their tools. Two, threes, and fours are taking in the world through that past filter. So the relational past filter really matters. Two, threes, and fours all experience the world today through this filter of what happened when they were in sixth grade. When they were in ninth grade, what happened with Sally in 11th grade? That colors all the ways that they're in interpreting 2024, you know, as or. And that past filter has a, that relational dynamic. You weren't loved at this point in time. And what are you going to do in order to not have that feeling anymore? Threes are going to win tomorrow in order to ensure that they're going to be loved. Twos are going to earn the love that they need right now. And fours have, have that relationship with the past in which that romantic coloring of how do, how do I interpret the past in myself and, and uh, those mash together in that romantic quality. It's mm-hmm. a good point, Jeff, because that might not make sense uh, to some of us because we're thinking about the, you know, the, the fours, fives, and nines who are use past tools, like you say. But then you just said, well, two, threes, and fours, uh, look to their past. So I, I, I appreciate you kind of explaining what you meant. It's helpful. Real important. And this is something TJ and I did a ton of work on. I think it's the first set of podcasts on our on around the circle right now. But we take in the world through an orientation to time and we respond to the world in an orientation to time. The taking in the world is is part of our intelligence center. Two, three, four is past, five, six, seven is future, eight, nine, one, present. The orientation to time that is often referred to is tied to stance. So aggressive types do have future tools. Withdrawn types, four, five, nine, have past tools. And ones, twos, and sixes have present tools. And that's why they're so, you know, externally focused. Um, But those combinations create the dynamic. So in twos, threes, fours, in relationship, the two is doing things now where the three is doing things tomorrow. They're both trying to to achieve the attention and validation desired, but they're they're trying to get it by by engaging different points of time in terms of where their energy is going. Hmm. That's good. Well, we should probably move on to the heart or the head types. Great. Head types uh, want stability, want uh, to feel safe, want to be secure. Again, taking in the world through a future lens and the future is always colored with fear. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so the what might happen 
is a filter that colors how they experience the entire world. And so because there's a valuing of thinking, because there's a valuing of data, that that is going to be where head types live because stability, safety, security are so highly valued. Possessions are going to be a primary. What do I acquire in order to ensure that I feel safe and stable in the world? And for for sevens, it's going to be opportunities. For sixes, it's going to have a relational dynamic of who's on my team. And for fives, it, it will color data, assets. Um, what do I have that I can pull from to ensure that I'm safe in the future? Yeah, these types are, are all like that, that security, stability, safety. Like that's, that's the thing. That, that makes them feel good in the world. And, and when they have that thing, then they can engage with whatever's going on around them. But if, if they don't have that sense of safety, if they don't have the security of knowing that they can always get to something better, for the seven, if they don't have the 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 safety of being able to protect themselves from the outside world, that then they are looking for that. That's the thing that they are going to try to find, and and so these types see themselves as logical and rational, and that's that's how they understand the world, and they want to understand the world in that way. They want to collect the information, uh, to, to gather up their resources, to plan for the inevitable, to plan for the uninevitable, the possible, to plan for what is impossible but just might happen. Uh, and they want to make plans to protect themselves against the dangers of the future. And that includes for fives, that includes gathering their resources and keeping it safe, keeping the information, getting a full understanding of the picture. They want to observe and and see everything so that they can understand it before they engage. Sixes want to gather a support system, a a group, a hierarchy, a... um, it's almost like they, they need to find someone who is going to tell them what the rules are. And then they will follow the rules and that will keep them safe. Sevens, like I said, want to make sure that they have an opportunity. They always have their foot in the door to make sure that they can escape the bad things that might come at them and get to good things. And, and so this is the, these types, these head types, it's about future. It's taking in the world through what might happen and understanding their place in the world is about preparing for those futures. Can we talk a little more about the underlying feeling for for these these types? The fear, the sense of anxiety, it all comes from the fact that the future is unpredictable and the future is what is the filter through which you're taking in the world. It's what what is coming up is a valuing that emerges. And again, it's that that chemical reaction as it were. You experience the world and the tilt is towards what might happen. And because of that, the desire, the motive for safety, the motive for stability, the motive to, to just feel secure, it ends up really coming forward. And so since fives are using past tools, since uh, sixes are using present tools, sevens using future tools, notice how those tools then color 
how you do things. So the five is going to withdraw in order to get secure using past tools, their experience, their assets, um, their their knowledge in order to ensure that they feel safe in the future. The six, the only thing they can do is, is meet it in the present moment. They have these future fears and then they explode in the present moment as external energy because they're externally referenced and they earn the security they desire the way that they earn that is very relational they process the world emotionally and so if i can shore up the loyalty of those around me sixes are thinking repressed and so as tj was saying they're going to outsource a lot of their thinking about what rules to follow and how they ought to behave and so it's going to it's going to be much more of an earning posture of getting the safety the desire from the tribe and sevens, as was said, because they are the only way to win security for the seven is by by thinking through your calendar next Thursday. So how am I going to win security next Thursday? It's going to look a lot like opportunities. It's going to look a lot like how do I position myself to have five different options? And so if something bad does happen, I can always cash in this check, get on that plane and head somewhere where things aren't terrible. Hmm. So just like we said, uh, we all experience anger. We all experience some sort of relational anxiety or shame. We all experience uh, fear in different ways. But for these types, we're not talking about scary movie fear. Like lots of people are afraid of spiders. Uh, uh, the whole world is a little bit afraid of clowns for no reason. Like they, <laughs> like there's... Uh, there are things that we fear as people being afraid of an airplane dropping out of the sky is a, a reasonable, normal fear that people have. But what these types are experiencing is a sense of the possibility of not being secure in the future is a danger. Yeah. And that is something that they need to prepare for. The what ifs. Yes. Yeah. That's good, TJ. And I was thinking about, again, the anger in the eight, nines, and ones. So eights are going to ex express their anger more openly. Nines are mm -hmm. going to be asleep to their anger. And then I, I think about these three, the five, sixes, and sevens. I know that sixes are going to be the ones who are going to express their, their fear the most, that underlying emotion. They're more in touch with it. Sevens are probably the least correct me if I'm wrong, but sevens are probably the least in touch with their fear and it expresses itself through uh, moving around fast, uh, planning, again, moving to the future really quickly. Uh, and then how would fives deal with their fear? We've adopted a lot of Joey Shuey's language around stance recently, and she characterizes withdrawn types as internally referenced Reactive types as externally referenced and aggressive types as independently referenced. And this very much works in terms of how they deal with their anxiety. So sevens are, stand independent from their anxiety in exactly the way that you're saying. Like it's, it's, it's smothered. It's put over here because I can always outrun it and I'm standing apart from it. The five withdraws and their fear is internal you know, they, they are bunkering down against the, f the fears that might be out there. That's the, the movement. And again, as you were saying, the external reference point for the six is I'm going to tell you what I'm really afraid of because I want you on my side when, when the bad guys come. And just 
for the fun of it, uh, I would like to add a third interpretation to this idea of direction. <laughs> so uh, we did talk about with eights, nines, and ones, anger goes outward for eights, uh, is both directions for nines and inward for ones. So think about the direction of the underlying feeling. Which direction is it going? For eights, the anger goes outward. For ones, the anger goes inward. And for nines, we are trying to keep anger at bay in both directions. So too with twos, threes, and fours. With twos, their sense of shame pushes them outward. They ignore their, they, they, push away their shame so that they can get that put their energy outward for fours their sense of shame pushes them inward so they turn to themselves to understand themselves better to get a sense of their sense of shame and threes are trying to push both directions in a way of sort of like i don't have an internal person there is no thing behind the mask that I wear and there's a sense of shame about that and I have had failures or I could have failures or uh, people have criticized me for failures in the past there is a sense of shame about that so that shame the direction of the shame is going both ways similarly with fear fives are fearful about the world out there so they turn inward the source is outside is the yes. move. Yeah. Sevens are afraid of the world inside yep. because if they have to, they, they can't escape themselves. So if they get stuck in a place internally, they may never get out of that place. And then they turn into a mental patient who's basically comatose. Like that is probably a, a real internalized fear that seven that a lot of sevens live with and maybe some of them have never recognized it before that if they were to actually deal with their internal stuff they'd never escape it mm. so they ignore that part of themselves and look for things to cover up their fear explains a ton about seven behavior right there mm. yeah sixes are both fearful of their own ability to keep themselves safe and of the world out there. So they are constantly pushing that fear in both directions. It's good. Good, TJ. So on a very basic level, all three, this, this group, all three want security, safety, and as they're taking in the world, they're going to be processing it through that, that value of, safety, of yeah. safety and security and wrestling with that, whether they know it or not, wrestling with fear and anxiety. And that's really good for people in relationships to know. Um, and my yeah. wife is one of those. What do you possess that's going to keep you stable and safe is a primary question. Yeah. Or your resources. Yeah, where are and, your resources? And so since we're, we, the point of this is actually to talk about relationships, thinking about head types in partnership yeah. with other head types there's there's a sense of the way that they understand the world which is through that data filter uh what does the data say what's um like the way that these types are going to interact is going to try to push into the more objective understanding like what are the resources what stuff do we have making 
and and in particular the future focus of planning is going to be big on all of these types and and it's going to color the way that they interact with each other it's good uh, very good guys so sh can we start playing around with the combinations now yeah i suppose one one last thing on the head types in combination sorry i think they likewise have that you know understanding that we ought to fear certain things in the future yes and yes. so just like the heart types that have that, we understand that relationships are the things that matter, you know, body type spaces matter. The the shared understanding that the future needs to be addressed in terms of our behaviors is, is something that's probably not even spoken and mm -hmm. they just get it. It's good. That's good. And I kind of led us into talking a lot about the underlying emotion, but Again, at another basic level, it's core. basic level, if you're in a relationship with a head type, they're just going to value uh, thinking and you just got to, mm -hmm. got to understand that. And if you're in a relationship with a heart type, they're going to value how they feel and how you feel. And that's a, that's part of all three of these things are part of being human. It's the, the way we're wired right. and we need, we need all three. Uh, so but to create a little extra space for whatever their their center is, uh, so if it's a um, five, for example, and the the heads and the head um, triad, so it's creating space for them to think with them, to process with mm -hmm. them, and that's a, a, it's like a love language. Um, so, yeah. okay, so let's talk about uh, does it matter the order for you guys? Should we do body and head types? So eight nines ones with five sixes and sevens. As was said, you know, take one set taking in the world through a future anxiety. The other is is very much a present anger and spatially aware. Connecting with one another is gonna take place in these spaces. I suppose TJ should probably speak to this. He's in a marriage. I, I jumped in way too early here. <laughs> The, I've got nowhere to be. Uh, so my partner, uh, I am a nine body type, and my partner is a six, uh, right in the middle of that uh, head type triad. And one of the things that is really interesting about that I have really learned from being in partnership with her is that, like, there are things that she does naturally that I don't understand how to do unless I've taken the time to learn them. Uh, meal planning is not on my radar. It, it She's been doing it for her whole life. And I still like I've been trying to come alongside her and I still can't because I don't think about meals until I'm ha about to have that meal. And that's a, a fundamental way of body types being in the world is like we if we want to plan things, we have to do work to make plans five sixes and sevens head types are naturally planners that is part of that that's part of what their world is and it may not be like meal plans is a very basic example but like there is something about understanding the world through what might come versus understanding the world through what's in front of us right now and with that comes lots of things like like the thinking space the the planning the organization of information versus what is my body doing right now? How do I feel in my body right now? Um, and and so these types, like it it can be speaking past each other, of course, but but becoming more and more aware of being in partnership, being in relationship with someone of that type, 
there's a lot of good that can be drawn because the true goal is balance. The true goal is learning how to hold all of these things in their proper places and, and to, to have a sense of what's coming in the future, dr drawing from information from the past to engage the present. That, that That's balance. And, and when body types are able to sort of like pull future types, head types into the present and... There, there can be a, a lessening of fears. There can be a, a, a it's like all meditation is basically about learning how to be present, right? So uh, there, there's a sense of being able to be more present that is naturally offered by body types. And there's a sense of focus on the future of what's coming, of, of being ready for the things that we might not be thinking about coming from the head types, that, that helps us be better about the plans that we're making right now because we're like, it's easy for body types to be bull in a China shop because we're not thinking about the future. Two big things that hit me here as we're looking at the list is one, we haven't really talked about how when you're in a pairing, when it's just two people, there there's going to be a repressed side of the pairing itself. So with this type, there's, there's not a heart type here. So it may be the case that in this sort of combination, you're not going to have the huge valuing of the emotional life. So say it was the case that these two are parents, that there, there may be a, 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 a undervaluing of the emotional life of, of the children, as it were, or that's not how they're receiving the world. And that just, that should be named. Yeah. And, and not because the two parents are heartless, right. but because they simply do not value that center. And Again, everything is about balance, but that is something that these types need to understand about themselves in order to be better humans. It may be the case that as parents, you do not have a tie to the heart center. That means your relationship to your children's emotions is going to be different, is, is going to be harder. Yep. And you just you are going to have to do extra work for that. Worth naming. Hmm. Romantically, I see the combinations really coming across in terms of the shared affect. So eights and fives can be a common pairing. Uh, nines and sixes, as TJ said, can be a common pairing. Ones and sevens can be a common pairing. So the one and seven are coming together around their ideals here. One of them is expressing their ideals in a very future-centric way with the seven. And one is expressing their ideals in a very present way with the one so the ideals are are taking place there but the expression of what what is it that i want is coming out of their intelligence center you know the nine and six the intelligence center is going to tell you what they want the six wants security the nine wants control that's going to be a huge dynamic in that relationship mm -hmm. they are attaching to one another because they're part of the attachment triad nines and sixes are attaching to one another in order to get their motive fulfilled yeah. fives and eights both expect rejection in relationships eight wants control five wants security they're the eight's going to gift power strength going to have something that five can grab hold of in terms of a resource there the five is going to be gifting knowledge and insight and something that the eight may really highly value in terms of feeling like this person understands me sees my place in the world is somebody who's who's on team eight and uh and there can be a real connection there yeah and i suppose eights and sixes are another common pairing and nines and sevens are another common pairing here 
and we talked about them last time. I, coping styles. Yeah, in our coping style discussion, we, we went through those. Yeah. yeah, just think of the underlying emotion of of fear and anger kind of clashing at times with, with this this pairing of kind of bouncing back and forth. The anger and, and fear mm-hmm. uh, can sort of, you can see that in fights or conflict. Mm-hmm. That, that should get elevated. I hadn't thought about this. When we li- live in excess... This is an Enneagram term. When we live in excess, that is when our when our type really takes control, we haven't moved into stress, but our motive like just overwhelms our personality. That's really where you're gonna see that that fear, that anger, you know, materialize in its worst. And and that's exactly right. Like in in terms of conflict, relational conflict, the verbalizing of this is what I'm afraid of and the verbalizing of of the anger is probably going to be a lot of the energy that's going on in in the lives of these two and and how do you navigate that when you get there is going to be a big part of conflict re- resolution. There's a there's an old uh Bob Newhart skit. I can't remember if it's from the show or from You're old. You're old. I know, right? <laughs> but Bob Newhart is hilarious. So this is true. I stand by this. That, but it might have been SNL. Like I can't remember what this is from. But essentially, he's a therapist who is doing the worst kind of therapy, and he has a woman who expresses that like her deepest fear is being buried alive. <laughs> and his response, like she's expressing her her truest, like this is something that she carries around with her all the time, very real fears. And his response is to say, stop it, stop it, stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box. <laughs> and like th- 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 it's hilarious, but it's also <laughs> the, a really great example of how these two can clash. Because if anger is the response to fear then it destabilizes the fear type and like the control is lost from the anger type. yeah that's exactly right yeah so like that that there there can be a really unpleasant way that anger and fear interact and it can be disastrous for the relationship or the partnership or whatever it is yeah like being aware of your underlying feeling and being aware of your other's underlying feeling can help mitigate these problems. Uh, that, that's a good solution. Like you gotta, you gotta do work on your underlying feeling for the mm-hmm. sake of your relationship, because that yeah. is, it's a doom loop here. Yeah. If if the the fear, the the anger type is getting angry at the fear, and the fear is gonna, mm-hmm. you know, go out more, causing more anger, and then it's just, you know, it's a machine perpetuating itself. And if like very practically speaking, if I respond in anger to my wife's fears, she will, she will not trust me. It will destabilize the relationship because she has lost trust in me because she will fear me from then on. Right. Thereby perpetuating her fears and eventually perpetuating my anger. Yeah. Or getting more anxious because you have no anger and are in the positive outlook group and suppressing that. So, but then refer back to part three of our series. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's good. And TJ, we need more of that. Outdated movie references. (laughs) We have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's, (laughs) let's move to body, the eight, nines and ones and the heart types, the two threes and fours. 
So I'm in a relationship of this sort. Uh, it's, uh, again, characterized by heart type bringing in the world through the whole history of relationships that they have that really inform who they are in the present and the 891, you know, experiencing the world very physically, spatially. Um, this can be an excellent pairing. And, and it's, again, the case I bet you're going to see a lot of pairings here. But I, I, I'm, I'm stuck on what we just said. One of the best things, you're, what you're probably going to fight about is going to have to do with your underlying feeling. And a lot of conflict resolution is going to have to start with yourself saying, I really need to tap down my underlying feeling. I need to do the work to bring that back so that we can communicate. Mm -hmm. so in, in the most stressful times in my life, in my wife's life, all she cared about was that I got the relationships that we shared together, especially in our work environment that we were sharing together, figured out. Like you need to do the things to make sure that these relationships are taken care of. And I'm sitting there saying, no, but these are my ideals. And it may be the case that these are relationships. You know, these are, these are folks that we're working with and it, it's just not working and they should move on, you know? And that was a big part of the con conflicts and energy that we had at that time. And there's a, there's a lot of interplay as well. Like if you if your identity of yourself is about how other people see you, then you're going to want to do things to make other people see you a certain way. And if your identity about yourself is about what you do, then you're going to want to behave in certain ways in the world to to make yourself feel good about how you are in the world and and this can really come in conflict with each other because if you were doing something to make yourself feel good about your physical presence in the world but it makes you or your partner or whatever it, it makes you look bad in the eyes of someone else then the heart type is going to notice that you may not notice that but the heart type will and like that, similarly, that can also be a really great thing because eights, nines, and ones can often choose their own sort of autonomy, their own sort of feeling good in the world over and against how it affects other people, especially eights. And the heart type can come alongside and say, actually, this is, this is how that is actually, I, I know this feels right to you, but this is how it's affecting other people because Body types don't necessarily sense that. Yeah. But heart types do. I bet you if it's a romance, especially if it's a marriage, I bet you you're going to see that in the extended family dynamics mm. um, yeah. where the two, three, fours are going to have probably a different kind of radar for their extended family. And the eight, nine, one, in, I mean, in my experience, the eight, nine, one are not necessarily, you know, invested in the same kinds of ways. Right. It's going to be more, do I feel comfortable going to, Aunt Sally's house, whereas the heart type is really invested in Aunt Sally because that's a relationship and that's mm -hmm. how they understand themselves. And maybe the problem with Aunt's, Aunt Sally's house is that it just, you know, it smells like cats and you can't yes. breathe when you're there. Right. And that's the problem with going to Aunt Sally's house. That is a completely different issue from having an actual problem with Aunt Sally. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up with a lot of anger in the house. And I'm very sensitive to your underlying 
both of you guys is underlying emotion do you, feeling. Do you know what your parents are? Um, well, primarily um, my mother, who's a, a sexual five. So okay, mm-hmm. it, it it's the that sexual instinct um, can can let can make anger flare up, uh, and they can okay. be yeah, all be aggressive no matter what type they are. That sexual instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I get around eights and ones in particular, nines are you know the sweethearts at Enneagram. It's it's hard to to get it's it takes a lot to get into We're for me to get tired for our anger yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot for me to get the conflict <laughs> with the nine uh but like for eights and ones in particular that'll have a little more access to that the anger and express in their body or you can it radiates from their body i'm yep. very sensitive uh to that because that that can trigger my shame not not with not with yeah. healthy um but like more like average to unhealthy eights and eights and ones so that can mm-hmm. that can affect my relationship with them. If and it's not just that it may not be their fault. It may just be my just triggering something in me that I need to work on. But then I was going to ask you, vice versa, for both you guys. How does the how does the shame of two threes and fours frustrate and anger you? We haven't brought in stress and security numbers yet. But I, what I heard a lot in your re- response was a move towards your stress number in part. Mm-hmm there in terms of how you're articulating your your sensitivity to the anger is not a relational thing. I imagine that there is, you know, there could be a dynamic there where you're pulling some some of your um some of your stress tools and engaging that space. And that's exactly what happens for me with shame. If you and if if someone pushes me into spaces of shame, they're pushing me into four space. So I'm a one, I go to four and stress. And all of a sudden that's that's an uncomfortable place for me in a very similar way that I was hearing for you moving into nine space. That's an uncomfortable place. You you are feeling the tension in a in a visceral way, in an intuitive way, and so I imagine the underlying feelings that we all experience in our stress number really need to get named because they're often incredibly uncomfortable. And TJ could ca- talk about the move to fear, you know, and his move to six. Mm-hmm. In that way, but I could, but I'm not going to yes, right sir. now. I'm actually <laughs> going to skip that and bring up that this is this is a perfect example of the difference in the intelligence centers, because the three, the heart type, expressed what he experiences from when he experiences a certain emotion from other people, and the way that yep. you see the world as a three has to do with how other people's emotions affect you. Yeah. So when a and affect your emotions. So when a one is getting a little argumentative with me over an issue, a, a principle that they're fighting for, or an eight uh, expressing their anger at mm-hmm. something that's not right or yep. they perceive to be injustice. My first yep. like internal question is, well, do you love me? Like, do you care about mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's going through my head. I'm not on their level doing what they what they are inviting me to do, but that's what's going on in my heart. And it's hard for me to right. to move past that and get to where they're at if I if it's not resolved that I think that they don't care about me or love me. Right. Right. And for head types or for sorry, for gut types, for body types like me and Jeff, our experience of other people's emotions is very different. So I don't, 
like Jeff expressed that he doesn't experience shame in other people in the way that has a significant effect on him. I don't, I feel bad for other people's shame, but I don't feel it. I it, and it, I, I feel like I'm kind of immune to shame. Like you can't really shame me. I'm not embarrassed by things and eights don't know what shame is like what they they exist in a way that like their world is about controlling their own world so why would they ever let themselves feel something like shame like we just have a completely different understanding of what the relational space of these emotions is and there's nothing bad about that, but this is a good example of like when you think if you are a heart type and you think that someone else is trying to make you feel bad, it's either that that person is evil or that they are not thinking about you the way that you think they are. Yeah, bingo. Yep. And that's 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 part of the fundamental difference of intelligence centers. Yeah. Heart types the rest of the types are not thinking about you the way that you think they are. Yeah. Heart types need They're to just not. Heart types, two, threes, and fours need to hear that. Then, in particular, yep. twos will spend all day thinking about the conversation in the morning and where the mm-hmm. interaction. They didn't smile at them, so they're wondering all day: Are they? Yeah. Are they mad at me? They disappointed in me. And the, f- the other part of that literally does not remember that. Never thought about it for a second. Yeah, it's not because we don't care about you. It's because we don't think about you in the same way that you think we do. Yeah. Yep. Um, And there's work for us to do in terms of growing thicker skin. And so that the people in relationship with us, like the eight, nines and ones don't have to walk on eggshells uh, around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I realize we we really don't get that. We don't really realize that other people have to walk on eggshells a little bit to, to watch out for the, the feelings of shame or insecurity that we might might have mm-hmm. that's that's hard for people who are in a relationship with heart types right and on the other side of that a lot of us need to learn how to walk on eggshells a lot of us are saying things that that can do real damage without even remotely considering the idea that it would hurt you i'm an incredibly sarcastic person i'm just like i eat i i breathe sarcasm and i am unaware of how intimidating that is when people tell me that they're intimidated by me i i'm confused because this is just like i just live sarcasm and and that affects other people and i need to be aware of that tj i'm still waiting for you to say something really sarcastic to me uh i I just want to get to that level of friendship with you where i can i can hear the same level of sarcasm that my wife gives to Mm me (laughs) sure it'll come any more thoughts on that before we move to head and heart? We got five, sixes, and sevens, and two, threes, and fours. Can just the connection between heart types and uh, body types strikes me uh, like in terms of what's most common. It feels like it's really the coping style. It's is the twos and nines are a common pairing. Ones and threes are a common pairing. Yeah, of all things, fours and eights can be real common, especially when they're young. Um, and so there's something about the body and heart that, you know, it's alongside these, the way that they're, they're solving problems actually is, is something that's attractive here. So eights and twos, I suppose are common and nines and threes can be a pairing. Ones and fours can be a pairing. That's much more about the relationship on the line though. I think for those for nine, three, one, four. 
Anyway. Well, I also think there's there's something to be said about the uh, understanding the world from a non quantifiable place. Like you, you, oh, there, yeah, there's we didn't talk no about that. Data. Yeah. There's no data to feelings. There's no data to uh, how a, a room feels when you walk into it. And we're not talking about hot or cold. We could be talking about that. But there's a general sense of understanding of my physical body in a room when I walk into it. And there's no data around that. Like You can't measure that. It's an ineffable sort of understanding and there's no data around emotions and and so like this is a place where there can be a lot of feelings but we're not talking about the same thing but we have a a sense of understanding because the thing that we're talking about you can't really say oh i had three degrees of of hatred this morning there isn't a, a quantifiable sense of how we see the world I meant to say that, yeah, the the repressed side of this mm-hmm. couple. So if you have kids, there's not going to be the thinking, you know, yeah. as a as a as a primary in this couple. That's yep. uh, so yeah, very active emotional you know, kind of moves. And we're, we're in the, I mean, I'm in the competency competency triad. In that that coping style will make me for problem solving. Yeah, yeah, problem solve, mm-hmm. but. That's kind of a strategy. It's not my default. There's still all kinds of like, right. there's all the kinds world. of heart stuff going on underneath uh, that's mm-hmm. suppressed. So yeah, it's that the prioritization of future calamity isn't on your on your radar. So my wife and I, uh, one in three, we are risky in terms of our financial choices because. The potential for future calamity isn't just isn't there. We're you know my idealism, her this is this is I'm going to win the attention of others. The that that's the driving force, mm-hmm. as opposed to something like the five six seven cognitive. Let's outline uh, you know all that might go wrong, yep. which can be great, but it also gets you in trouble. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, you guys ready to move to the yeah head heart head and heart the diametrically opposed. Heart and head coming together. That's worth yeah. saying right there. I think I heard you say that before. I think that's the a great starting point. Problem. We've been doing work with Joey Shuey on this, and and that's her her take is that that this is kind of it, we really need to name the fact that head and heart, the emotions and cognition, have an opposite quality. You know, I suppose early on we referenced the right side of the brain, left side of the brain, and that's just. It's how it goes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and complementariness can be outstanding. And it's also the case that there's there's some potential obstacles here because it because they are they're so different on these fronts. And and like we we all need all three of these things, but notice that like you could take out the right lobe of the brain and still have a functioning person. You could take out the left lobe of the brain and still have a functioning person. You can't take out the 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 stem and still have a functioning person, but that's a different. Uh, it is simpler mechanically, uh, just the way the world, the way our brains, the way people work for twos, threes, and fours to have no idea what's going on with five, sixes, and sevens, and vice versa, mm. because they're speaking different languages. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, um, Jeff. What what else you got? The as I'm looking at the list, I don't see a lot of pairings except for the twos and fives. And there's there's the reason 
his is something we referenced in our AFAC group podcast. The five is really going to bring something the two doesn't have, and the two is going to bring something the five doesn't have. And so they are connecting because of the gifts that they bring to one another. But the six three combination that you're in, we've we've talked about your marriage a, a handful of times. That that's a yin yang element. And this may be a big part of it mm-hmm. in terms of priorities, I think is what I would, I suppose I would guess like the sixes priorities versus the threes priorities, I imagine are, are really, you know, there's motive, you know, your motives, you're taking in the world and establishing your motive. And if they're complementary, then you're going to be a full person as it were in a marriage, but it's going to be a yin yang dynamic. Yeah. I've been shocked though at how many three and six combinations I've run into recently. Okay, I mean I've I did pre, uh, I've done three couples counseling sessions over the last year year and a half that are three and six combination. Uh, any uh, Steph Baron Hall on the the Ennea Summit here is a three uh, with the husband who's who's a six. So I keep I keep running into it even though it sounds rare. This combinations unique in this whole pattern and it's because the six three share a line and nobody else here shares a line right and so relationships on the line are really important to name because the three is being pulled into security by the six like like your secure self is embodied in your spouse and your spouse is the six is finding the healthy side of her stress number in your threeness. You live in her three number. And so you have tools to navigate that space with some class, uh, power, energy. And so when she stumbles into you know her stress number awkwardly and she's in three space and trying to get other people's attention, you can clap her on the back and say, this is how it's done. And, and you know, rise up and all of a sudden you're a foundation of energy for her to engage high side, high, the high side of her stress number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because she's in the head uh, triad, but she doesn't have productive thinking. Uh, and I, as a three, am in the, in the heart feeling triad, but I don't process my emotions. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. emotionally stunted and, that, and it needs to do more work at, figuring out my emotions and feelings and maturing in that area of my life. Uh, so that's, that's a really interesting dynamic, but at the, at a core level, I definitely see how our underlying emotions clash with each other with her fear and my shame Yep, uh, mm-hmm. clash uh, quite a bit. And I, I just wish I would have known this early on uh, in my relationship with her. It just would have made so much, so much more sense. I imagine for you, both of those are obstacles to, to the goals that you're pursuing yeah yeah fear and shame are need to get pushed aside because you got bigger ambitions correct yeah yep and notice the feeling oppression move for the three there's the there's the nugget and there's for the six the outside so i do this all the time with my wife who's the three the like i outsource my thinking to her she's not necessarily in the head triad but she's incredibly confident about whatever it is that she believes (laughs) right and so that gives me just energy like i intuitively go oh she knows what the hell's going on so and and that at least appeases that itch that i have and and we're moving that might that might be an assertive stance thing (laughs) because like eights Mm -hmm. 
they sometimes don't believe it until they actually say it. And if they say it louder, then they believe it. They believe their statements even more. We we have a buddy who's a, a one, and she goes out with Kelly to uh to one of these trivia nights where where you have like the team of people come together and they the team answers the trivia question and Kelly will shoot out her answer and the and the you know the one writes it down and hands it in and it's totally wrong and she comes back mad and goes you know you should have said that you weren't too sure you said it with such confidence and, and she was so mad because they lose X Y and Z points because. Because Kelly's too assertive about her answer to the trivia question. Anyway, I think that's why. Well, here's it's a double whammy for me because her fear will try to get in the way of my goals, which are often tied to my work. Mm-hmm. Which then mm-hmm. her fear is not yeah. only getting in, in the way of my goals, but then it's also attacking what I do. Which and what I do is I I get confused with that with with who I am. Mm-hmm. And then that's where the shame comes up because she's attacking, feels like she's attacking me. Like our, I say our work is yeah. like an extra growing an extra limb. Yeah. And if you start poking our goals and poking, poking what we're doing, it's like you're attacking us personally. And that's where the shame comes in. Uh, so that's just a, and that's not maybe true of the other types, but that's definitely how I feel as a three. And then my goals and an outward focus of achieving then constantly makes her more fearful and anxious that she's going to lose her security and safety. Yeah. There's a, um, one of the things that, that has come out of a lot of our work with Joey Shuey is, is the, the objective versus subjective understanding and the heart types live in this subjective place and head types live in this objective place. Like that is how the information is coming at them. They, yep. they see their observations, their, their sense of, of fear in an objective way. And heart types see their world in a way that is about me, is about what people think about me, about my relationships with other people. And it's not, that's not selfishness. This isn't like being detached from everything but but this is a part of how these types understand the world and when they are in partnership they it's good to recognize that you filter everything through something that ties it back to you everything in the world has to do with how you see yourself and how other people see you and your six partner sees the world in this objective like trying to gather the data apart from herself kind of way and regardless of it if it if it actually plays out that way like sixes are often expressing their own fears about what's going to happen to them so it's a little bit less objective in that way but like this is the filter that head types are experiencing and this is the filter that heart types are experiencing and so maybe it's a good idea to like have practice thoughts like thought experiments written down um, even potentially like conversations where you theorize about this information pulling yourself out of it like what if it was somebody else in this exact same position how would that person react or or see this and it can be an imaginary person that's fine and then for 
head types trying to understand a little bit more about what it is like to be subjective is like putting themselves in the middle of it. Walk a mile in my shoes kind of idea. Like what, how would this, how does these things affect me and my relief? Like what, like what's the, what's the way that this is about connection? What's the way that this is actually about my emotional life and not just raw data? Like that, because that's there, there, there's an existential gap there, this right brain, left brain thing. But everyone is born with both right and left brains. Like we, we are all a three part person head, heart, and body. And we need to remember that one doesn't ever exist without the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Especially not if we're healthy. Well said. Well said, TJ. Uh, one last thought that I have on this to contribute is just an acknowledgement that I realized that two, threes, and fours, like I said, could be hard for the the body types. I can I see now. It's, uh, this this conversation helps me to see that the heart types can feel invasive to the the head types. So when it when a mm. two comes in with their big heart, to it can feel. Like the for the five, it feels like you're invading their 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 life. Uh, if mm. a four a force emotions and drama and grief and all those things that they feel can feel very invasive to a seven mm-hmm. who doesn't want to experience uh, pain and suffering. Uh, and we already talked about threes and sixes, but I you know, and that's that's really again that's hard for two, two threes and fours. Um, like especially twos have a very positive self image of themselves. It's just good to recognize that even though we're heart types and we are like, we're really loving and we care about people's feelings and to re to realize that that, that can be a little over, they go overboard. That can be a little, feel a little too much to our thinking type Mm -hmm. for the people we're in relationship with. That makes sense. Emotions are messy. Uh, (laughs) Thinking is not messy in that way. Like data itself is static and whitewashed and clean the ivory tower Mm -hmm. whereas the relational desires needs experiences we have you know human beings are incredibly complicated when we dive into their lives and if that's what we want most is the connection the relational connection that's going to have that dynamic it's also the case that sometimes you need to get saved out of the ivory tower you know you can't live in your brain all the time you know like like get involved in somebody's life yeah being isolated in that way is is not a healthy place either. So we hadn't mentioned it, but as you were talking about shame and fear having such a, a powerful influence over forward movement, notice in this uh, couple, the repressed center of the couple is action. There's not an intuitive person here. And so so that may have a lot to do with, with, with some of the dynamic there is uh, being embodied is not, one of your primary centers you as the three are the only one of this of these six types that actually processes with action and um so for most most of the couples that are are you know a head and a heart it it may very well feel like we're not going anywhere we're kind of in this place of thinking about our feelings or feeling our thoughts i was gonna say i can yeah take action i'm a part of these sort of stance but when i get into conflict with my wife I have a really hard time taking action because I moved to nine and numb out and 
experience shame and I, I can't move. I get stuck. And and to that point, the the focus on the present moment is also missing. Yeah. Heart types draw information about the world through a past filter and head types draw information about the world through a future filter. And they're often less focused on what's happening right in front of me. It's good. Any other thoughts on this pairing? Yeah, it was really just the two and the five and the three and the six in terms of romantic pairings is what struck me here. I imagine, however, where this really might come out is perhaps in parent-child relationships or in work-colleague relationships because in those places, you're going to see a little bit more of the what we've been talking about that there's dynamics at play here that may be difficult to to overcome at first unless you're you know a healthy person and you're going to work through some of this. So like we've TJ and I have talked about parents who are like a seven four pairing, for example, like that's a that can be a very difficult combination because sevens are all in the future and fours are all in the past and one's all the the, the emotion in the heart and the other one is completely separated from the feeling center, the seven. And so like what does that relationship entail, you know, as you're moving forward? But on the flip side, like I see my wife of three and her youngest child, my youngest child of five, and they have a tremendous relationship, but they are coming to the world from such different spots Mm -hmm. and bringing a lot of perspective the other doesn't share so that when they communicate, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's super enjoyable Mm -hmm. to, to watch. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Great thoughts. So what is, uh, the body and body eight nines and ones in relationship with each other, what that might look like. You know, what is worth adding and we didn't say it uh, with them and is you're going to have a double repressed center here. You don't have a, you know, the eight, nine, one are going to be all about their intuition and spaces. And so both the emotional, nobody's bringing in the world through their emotional center. Nobody's bringing in the world through their thinking center. And so you might have a double blind spot there. That's really worth naming. So if you're in a, a parent, so I have a, a good f- a set of friends, lesbian couple adopted high school, you know, kid and just had r- real trouble. He was probably a heart type and they're both body types. All they want is for him to do something. Yeah. And all he wants is for his two moms to, to realize, you know, what's going on in his heart and emotions and, and mm-hmm. what sets him apart. I know a few one in eight couples, uh, that are, that are close to me. And for them, it's just uh, their their bodies both get tense when they're they're fighting over their their black and white issues. Like the ones like mm-hmm. I know what I want. They it's like I know what I want, and it can, there can be a lot of sparks there. And then I'm going to lunch with the, or dinner with a friend tonight who's a nine married to a one, and you see a lot of one nine combinations, mm-hmm. uh, which there's some yin and yang. Uh, I mean, they're in the same triad, but they're have a lot of differences, but still have that same underlying emotion for sure of anger uh, that could probably clash. Yeah. The thing about the one nine relationship, the, the, you know, the nine can be a magnet or a, what a, a stiller of the anger of everybody, which can be incredibly helpful. One eight doesn't have that one eight. The anger is coming from the eight into the one and the one's anger is going inward. So it's that doubling down of, of the flow we've talked about. We talked about that in another episode, but that channel of anger going from the eight into the one can be, you know, a 
a dynamic there. Mm-hmm. Nine eight also is a relationship that's real common though. Good. Yeah, and this is a like speaking of nine eight, like th- this is something that I should have said from the outset, but like that there is no this pairing is better than the other mm-hmm. or, or or anything like that. It literally all of it, every pairing on the Enneagram has more to do with the health of the individuals than it does with type, and like that. That is the rule. If you want to be in a successful relationship, don't look for your perfect Enneagram partner. Make yourself a more healthy person and look for another healthy person. Like that's that's it. And also, that being said, eights and nines have a real hard time because fundamentally, eights use conflict to gauge where they are in the world and where they stand and where other people stand against them. And nines avoid conflict at all costs. So when eights and nines sort of overcome that barrier, this can be a really interesting pairing that like shares the space of anger, shares the understanding of, of space and activity and uh, like, like our wills impacting the world around us. And also like the fights with these two can be so not explosive but but like this can be a very volatile pair because of the way that like they both under they both have that anger as as part of them and they're fighting about their own autonomy and what the other Mm. person how the other person is affecting it this is that eight nine pairing is real interesting because there is a there's a especially in romance there there is a connection here the nine's presence being elevated and mattering to the eight, you know, you being pursued a is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of the romantic energy. How they fight, the nine's passive aggressiveness will come forth. And even, uh, I'm not telling you what I'm doing because, you know, and it could be over severe things. The, the mm-hmm. nine saying, this is what I'm going to control and I'm not going to tell you about it. Um, and the eight, you know, being incredibly Puts the cards outspoken. on the table. I can see what you're doing yeah. and we're going to talk about exactly it now. How it goes. <laughs> so I don't know if it's, it's worth saying. Like I've seen this in terms of like even family planning decisions taking place by the nine in ways that the eight was not happy about, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. elevated passive aggressive tactics for controlling what they want to control. And then it breaks down into spheres. The nine's going to say, I'm going to control this space. And the eight's, I'm going to control this space. And there's probably going to just be a happy handshake that you stay on your lawn, I'll stay on my lawn, Mm -hmm. and we'll come together in the spaces that we enjoy. Jeff and I sort of have a a third business partner that is an eight. and, And Jeff and I have to like regularly communicate about certain things and make sure we're both on the same page. And the eight and I only ever have to make sure we're on the same page about something that's changing from the last time. Other than that, he does his job and I do my job and we don't really need to ever discuss that unless we're impacting each other Mm. in negative ways. Like I, I don't care what he does in his job unless it impacts me. There can be healthy mutual respect there mm-hmm. of a different, yeah. like a higher level too. Correct me if I'm wrong, TJ, self-prez nine is probably the, those friends of mine tend to have more eight wing and tend to be the most 
can be the most stubborn or dig your heels in. Hmm. And so I was just thinking, okay, if you're a self pres nine with an eight wing married to an eight or a partnership mm-hmm. with an eight, I don't, I don't know if I see that a lot, but if that did happen, it would be, you know, here comes, here comes uh, a flying object towards uh, an object that's immovable <laughs> and just <Yeah>. a boom <laughs> clash. Yeah. The, the immovable object and the unstoppable force. Yeah. Like that can be a real thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Heart types and relationship with other heart types, because I heard Ian Cron say, and I don't know if I agree with him, but he said, I mean, he was, he was speculating that the two, four combination in his experience was the hardest, um, marriage to counsel <laughs> uh, these two heart mm-hmm. types two and a four and i don't know if you can say that there's one worse combination i, I guess it goes against what we were just saying but no, it's gonna be that flow again it's the identical flow of the eight one that all the energy is going towards the four here the two is self-giving self-giving seven and the four is is the vortex as it were and and even amongst that, like uh, the four wants the two to share themselves, and the two is yeah, like a part of part of the way that that we teach about twos is that twos are shutting down their own internal desires and needs in order to serve the other, and all the four wants from the two is to see their inner desires and needs and and the the true inner self that's mm-hmm. going on. And if all so. all the heart types are looking for external validation. <laughs> and they're unhealthy and they all feel empty mm-hmm. and they're constantly looking to each other to fill them up. Like, yep. give me validation, fill me up. And the other person's like, well, fill me up. Yeah. And it's just like this, this loop, this unhealthy loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's codependency that can happen. Sure. I think it's that energy. It's also the, I mean, I don't know what, what you can say about counseling on this front. And it may be the case that he, he being a four, it might, maybe he's not, the right person to counsel that that couple it might be better this is again a repressed center sort of thing is two threes and fours are not going to have a you know somebody who's dominant in thinking or action and so that you're going to get a lot of emotional energy going on here Mm -hmm. in terms of and that can be great on one front and it can also have its its real struggles yeah so the relationships I've seen between twos and threes can be really Im- impressive. And so too, the relationships I've seen between threes and fours when they're really healthy people can be really impressive. Yeah, I, I have a lot of admiration for healthy fours and enjoy talking with them and being friends with them. And But these types are also going to be able to read the emotional radar around them as well. Yep. A- any heart type paired with another heart type at the even near the top of an organization, they are going to know what the morale is mm-hmm. right, at the organization. Right. Yeah. And they're not going to have to do a survey to figure out what it is, you know? Yep. Two threes on, on this front, I think, I think do try and meet each other's needs pretty well as, as well. Like the, the two obviously is just by their nature is going to be gifting, but threes, in order to connect also are are often giving in order to receive in a, in a different kind of way. Um, at least that's what I've seen with twos and threes. I suppose some threes might just be well ahead of the, you know, I suppose that unhealthy three, two relationship, the three could really be using the two. Mm-hmm. I suppose I haven't seen that. I just, I'm mean, here again. It comes down to individual health. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah, this can be a very, very healthy relationship so long as the each type recognizes that like at a fundamental level, they're trying to get attention from the other person. Right. And they also need to be able to give it in order to serve the other person well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any more thoughts on this this uh, pairing heart and heart or do you want to talk about head and head? Yes, yeah, so the head and head again, you're gonna, not going to have a, uh, someone who's drawing in the world emotionally, not going to have a, a body type. A lot of thinking going on here. Mm-hmm. A lot of planning, a lot of uh, what's coming and we need to be prepared for that and the... The schedule is all blocked out because we need to know who's going where and and which person is dropping off the kids and and which person is picking them up and where they're going and and like they they make sense of all of the information like that is going to be a natural sharing for this pair is making sense of the data. What's interesting here with the on the polls the five seven. They don't have the same dynamic as eight one two four. Here, the mm-hmm. seven is leaving, and the five is bunkering down in some sense, mm-hmm. um, in terms of their response to their underlying feeling. So, like fear, fear motivates the seven to move. Fear motivates the five to solidify, get a little bit higher walls. Mm-hmm. And I've even heard, like to that to that point, I've even heard multiple times. Uh, interviews with a five or a seven who has a partner who is the other and like at some point in their relationship they realized that they should take two cars to parties <laughs> right and and the 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 interesting for thing for two different about, reasons right yes because <laughs> the seven wants to be like the seven wants to party yeah. and like if that's the thing that they're committed to that night then they're, they'll stay there until they're done and the five wants to go home five minutes after the party starts it could also be the case that they show up and there is no party and the seven says and so the seven I don't wants to go here. somewhere that's else exactly and it. the five still <laughs> wants to go home yeah the energy of the of the event is, is what they're both focused on <laughs> and when the five is drained they want to leave and the seven wants to experience life and live life and like stay out and all these things and the fact that like these are both head types and they didn't know like what they don't feel bad about this when they come to this conclusion. Right, yeah. If there was a heart type involved in this decision, there would be a sense of, why don't you want to be at this thing with me? Why don't you want to go where I want to go? But the five and the seven who take two cards, this is a very practical way for us to experience this (laughs) life that we live together and, and to... Like you can do your thing and I can do my thing. I can, you can do what you need and I can do what my, what I need. And I hold no emotion about it with you. Both of them targeting stability, both of them targeting safety and they get there in different ways. And there, and I suppose it's probably the case. You kind of understand this is who my partner is because the understanding is a primary and exactly right. Like emotion. Why would we need to talk about the emotions here? Yeah. Sixes might be different though, but I don't see the, these these paired a lot. Do you guys? I, I mean, I, see, I know some six and seven couples, uh, but I'm struggling on the other. 
combination. Uh, very good friends. Very good friends who are five seven. Notice this. They're, so they're in Italy, right? <laughs> they come back from Italy to their house, and one of their pipes had broken in the top floor of their three story townhouse. Destroyed everything within. She's eight months pregnant. She's a five. He's a seven. He goes on a vacation the next week because that she knows that's what he needs and she needs to nest. Mm-hmm. And so he does a ton of work in that week prior to the vacation to get everything arranged, uh, you know, problem solved, do all the things. And then he's gone because she knows that's what he needs. And what she really needed was just she has her list. She's a, uh, what she's an event planner is what she does. So she's, she's going to knock out, here's how the plumbing works, rebuilding the floors, insurance is paying for it all. I'm going to, I'm going to create a space for my kid who's coming in the world. And they were both very comfortable with that solution. So appreciated, uh, having this conversation with you because I, again, I learned so much things I've never heard before. Uh, and so I just, value my time with you guys likewise any last comments as we wrap up i suppose just to wrap up everything those four questions of how do i receive the world my intelligence there how do i get what i want my stance how do i solve problems my coping style how do i connect with others it's the affect group if you can if you can do enneagram work with just those four questions in mind especially if if you have a partner or especially if you're you know you're working through something with a kid or a coworker man that could be a couple months worth of work and it's probably one of the most valuable things you could do for like long-term roots in that relationship and uh, since I've ended every other one with this same message don't don't type <laughs> other people by the way can, can we specify this it's it's don't you're saying don't type them by saying hey you're an eight you're a seven you're a four yes in your own heart you have to navigate the world and you might say this person is very aggressive and i understand because i've done some enneagram study how to relate to aggressive people yep i'm not saying that there are three seven eight but yes right yeah yeah particularly stance you can lean a little bit on stance but you're not allowed to type other people even if your kid, if it's your kids, you're not allowed to decide that for someone else. Right. You can hold, you can hold a guess loosely. Don't type other people. The best thing you could possibly do is become a healthier person yourself. And send them to the Start Here podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I can, I can tell there's some, some anger, some frustration down there, TJ. <laughs> Keep mentioning it. <laughs> Way to be a healthy nine and, ex- and get that out to the world because, yes, there. It's the one rule. Yes. Um, that can be very, very damaging. But again, I, I, I found I, I love reports and I love dabbling in some marriage reports to help couples. And there has never all the marriage reports that I've played around with don't have this sort of four-part series as a part of the report of looking at the relationship from all the different angles, maybe coping styles and a few other things, maybe levels of health but not all of these pieces. So I'm excited for you guys to continue to do more work, write your books, and hopefully it can educate and equip uh, practitioners to then, to be able to help people practically in counseling. Maybe this is my three talking right now, but uh, to get practical, more practical and concrete uh, in marriage counseling sessions or work workshops with coworkers. Like there's so much here uh, to, to unpack if you're sitting down with two real human beings 
uh, and exploring all these different paths. I can see a tremendous amount of potential here. Tyler, thank you so much for your, for your service, your help, your professionality, bringing the energy. It has meant a ton to me personally. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Glad to be here. It's been great. I <laughs> uh, didn't know how to wrap it up. He, Tyler was overwhelmed by TJ's expressions of care and affection there at the end. <laughs> 